If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. And I'm going to talk to you today about poison weeds among holy seeds. Say that with me today. Poison weeds among holy seeds. I want to read a parable of the wheat and the tares from the book of St. Matthew today. And, and uh, we're going to establish some things uh, in the Word that I pray will help every one of us when we come to Holy Communion uh, to check ourselves out today, to have a healthy introspect, to look deep within our heart with honesty and integrity. And if there's something that needs fixing, that we let God fix it this coming year. Can you say amen? I want to see everybody in this room in heaven. And I want to see the people that hear this message over the, uh, from the website, over the airways and through computer. I want to see people in heaven. I don't want to, I don't want to get to heaven and look for people that were church People that heard the Word of God, that attended Bible studies, that was baptized in water and on the role of the church, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. There's no substitute for your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the only place it really matters. Your denominational affiliation will have no bearing on whether or not your name is in that book. Amen. However, there are denominations that have teachings that are hurtful. That will not challenge you to check yourself out and to make sure that you are truly saved. There's a presumption and an assumption today that, that many people are saved simply because they they're, they're, they're attend a particular church that is Christian. In fact, the name Christian is, uh, has become something that doesn't hold the weight that it used to hold. We call ourselves Christians when the world about us many times can't see enough fruit in our life to call us Christian. And the Bible said that they were first called Christians, not they didn't declare themselves through words that they were Christian, but they were called Christians by the culture around them that saw them living like Jesus, walking like Jesus, and talking like Jesus. It was at Antioch. Is the first time the followers of Jesus were called Christian. Amen? The Bible said men will see your good works. And they will glory. I'm not talking about social stuff alone. I'm not talking about all. I'm talking about something beyond that. I'm talking about following followers of Jesus, following Jesus. Men will see that, and they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. And to the degree that they see it, uh, or not see it, we are the light of the world, or we are not the light of the world. Listen to this carefully. The words of Jesus. Poison weeds among holy seeds. And another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept... I want to stop right there and say something. This guy is not negligent. This guy is not negligent. We don't need to attack... And, and there are negligent pastors and negligent peach, preachers, but this man is not negligent. Everybody sleeps at night. You can't stay up all night watching your field. You just can't do it. And while men slept, the enemy, his enemy came and sowed what? Tares among the wheat. Tares. It's a weed. And it looks just like wheat when it comes up initially. And you really can't tell the difference until it grows to maturity. But when it grows to maturity, there is no kernel on it. It's a weed. And the enemy of this man says, I want to ruin his crop. I want to sell my field of wheat I want his field to be ruined. And I want, I, want, I, want my weed, I want the weeds that I have sown 
to, to take over and, and, and ruin his crop of, of genuine wheat. Now, the devil is good at sowing tares among wheat. And in every church in America, without exception, without exception, there's no church full of pure wheat. You say, look over at your neighbor, except... Now, don't look at them that way again till the service is over. Can you say amen? <laughs> Somebody said, I, was, I wasn't sure about you. <laughs> amen? No, this is not to criticize, to, to judge people's hearts. This message is to make sure that you're wheat. I heard the story of... Of a, and I've told you this before, but I, I just want people to know where I stand. I want, to, I want to stand out for Christ by fruit. <laughs> I want people to know I'm a Christian before I tell them I'm a Christian. I used to work out at the power shop gym, gym in Plant City. And one of the greatest compliments that was given me is when the owner of the gym told my wife, they said, Many people in this gym do not know. See, I don't wear my suit and tie to the gym. I wear sweatpants and a sweatshirt, you know, because I like to sweat off a little something while I'm in there. And, and I, I don't like to, you know, see, be around these guys that have muscles where I don't have places. So I just cover up pretty good. It's hard to wear a muscle shirt if you ain't got no muscle. <laughs> Amen. So, but I, I built some muscles back then. And I worked out really, really good there for a little while. And, uh, and, and in fact, there's a picture of me on the wall of that gym, or used to be, uh, standing beside the power team. These are these Christian men that come in and blow up hot water bottles till they burst and tear phone books in half. These are some big boys in there. Amen. And so the lady that owns the gym, she's about 70-something now, and she said, she said, I want to get your picture taken with the power team. Amen. I said, oh, please. <laughs> I started to say I tried to shrink down, but after I stood up beside them, I didn't have to shrink down. Amen. I stood out be for being so small next to them. Their arms as big as my thighs. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Listen carefully to this message today. Every church in America, there are tares among the wheat. And here's something that may shock you. It shouldn't. Some of them are in the pulpits of churches in America. Oh, Brother Venable, do you, do you absolutely mean? Yes, I do. And no marvel that Satan be transformed as an angel of light and his ministers as ministers of righteousness. So we're living in a day that there is hypocrisy in the church. And it's everywhere that you turn. And you can see the enemy's strategy. Because if you start looking around and comparing yourself with this person or that person, instead of comparing yourself to the standard God has set through His Son, Jesus Christ, you're going to feel very comfortable short of what God has called you to be. And if you're not careful, you're going to fall back into sin. Amen? Amen. This is an important message because there... There are people that are sitting in churches today that think they're going to heaven. They're so convinced they're going to heaven, they never see a need to repent of sin. They're so convinced that they have all that they need. And yet, when you look for the fruit in their life, it is not evident. I'm not talking about works being worthy of heaven. I'm talking about works that declare that salvation has occurred in your heart. If there is no change in your life, salvation has not occurred. Regardless of what the preacher tells you. You're not going to answer to that denominational conclave that decides what they're going to believe and what they're going to leave out from year to year. You're not going to answer to that conclave. You're not going to answer to that pastor. He's not going to be your judge. He can exonerate you. It has nothing to do with between you and God. I want somebody to tell me what God requires. 
I do not want somebody to soothe me, to pet me. If I get cancer of, if there's a cancerous tumor on my body, I do not want a doctor who doesn't want to mess up my planned vacation to tell me, don't worry about that lump. We've looked at it. Eh, you know, just go on your vacation. Just go on your way. Just go on your way. No, I want a doctor. If it's cancerous, I want him to set a date to get that cut out. Because if I don't get it cut out, it's going to kill me. So I don't want him to worry about interrupting my plans and interrupting my vacation and interrupting my life with some bad news. I want him to tell me the truth. Because I want to live and not die. I don't want a doctor that isn't honest with me. If there's a cancer, let's get it. And let's kill it. There was a bump came up on my wife's leg. And she went to her, her, her doctor. And she, she said, I don't, this came up real quick. I was shaving my leg the other day and it cut, cut it and, and it looks bad. I don't know. And she just showed him the bump before she left for her normal visit. And he said, I want you to go to a dermatologist this coming week. And let them see what this is. He told her the truth. He didn't say, don't worry about it. It could be a mosquito bite. could be a, an ant bite. could be a little infected follicle. No, he said, go to a dermatologist and see what it is. You know what they found out it was when they sent some cells off to test? It was a squamous cell cancer. Now, that's not the worst kind. You had what kind? Melanoma. But squamous can, left unchecked, do what melanoma does. So she went back to the dermatologist, and they cut it out. And there's a place on her leg about the size of a quarter that showed because they didn't stitch it up. They left it open and covered it up, and now it is healed, and it's left that size of a quarter scar. And you know something? That's a good scar. It's a good scar because that means there was something deadly there. But it is gone now. Can you say, man, there's the scar where it was, but it ain't there no more. They got it all the way down to the roots of it. Praise God and got it out. You had it on your arm. They go deep to get the roots. They went deep to get the roots. And it, it looked like it was going to leave you kind of disfigured, but it didn't. That's going to heal up and bear it. But every time you see that little bit of a line on your face, you're going to say, that's where something was that was trying to kill me, but it ain't there no more. It, they have got it all the way down to the roots, and it's gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say man? Listen, friend, sin is a cancer. It is there trying to kill you. Amen. The wages of sin has not changed it has not changed it has not changed it has not changed i declare unto you the wages of sin is death and i declare something else to you be sure your sin will find you out i do talk about sin here you know why because jesus came amen and went to the cross so that our sins can be forgiven and the sin that can't be forgiven is the sin that is unconfessed And if we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all iniquity. He goes down. He doesn't just forgive the sin. He goes and gets the root of it. The iniquity that produced the sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. Iniquity is the evil intent of our own heart that caused us to transgress the law. God doesn't just deal with the surface. He goes all the way to the roots. He was wounded for our transgression. But it didn't stop there. He was bruised for our iniquities. Can you say, man, that old flesh sin nature that caused us to sin in the beginning. Glory be to God. There's two distinct Acts of Christ on the cross. One was for the transgression and its consequences. The other was for the iniquity that caused us to transgress. God wants to get this thing at the root. He wants to get the sin forgiven. And He wants to get the heart attitude changed. Hallelujah. And that's why He sent a Savior to do more than just forgive sin. But to get to the root of the matter. Tears among the wheat. 
I'm as good as he is. I'm as good as she is. Compare yourself to Christ the next time. I'm doing as well as that preacher. He loves to have tares in the pulpit. You know why? Because if God's blessing can be on them, and God's favor can seemingly be on them, then I can do what they do. And that's why there's such a high standard for pulpit ministry. Oh, not by the church today, but by the Bible. There was a high standard for any kind of leadership spiritually. You had to be the husband of one wife. You had to be. Grace didn't cover that. Grace is not licensed to sin. You can't. You had to have your house in order. With all gravity. Amen. You had to. How are you going to be example to the flock and to the families in your church if your family's in disarray? Your children are out of control. I quit teaching a Sunday school class just after I got saved because the pastor's son kept interrupting it. I put him out of the class so I could teach the ones that wanted to learn. I was serious about what I was doing for Christ. Pastor made me let him back in. Pastor wouldn't discipline him. And they expect me to teach a teenage class with one young man that disrupts it every time we come together and I can't discipline him and his daddy who is the pastor won't discipline Biblically, my pastor is disqualified. Oh, not, not to everybody else, because most people can't handle their kids. And most people let them get away with murder. You don't have to amen it. I tell you, after church, I'm going to get a hold of you. And then you take them to Dairy Queen. Amen. Boy, when by, we, we had a pallet for our children. We didn't have no children's church. We didn't have no place to take them. They sat in church. They ate lifesavers and took naps. Matthew, there was a pallet by my wife. He laid down on that pallet and he went to sleep. But sometimes he wanted to stay awake and mess around. And, and, uh, and, and she would be up there singing with the rest of us. And she would give him that look. We'd get home, I'd get in, he'd be crying, already crying. Uh, uh. I'd say, Matt, what is wrong? What is wrong? Mama looked at me with her mean eyes. Because <laughs> he knew when Mama get home, he'd get a swat on the bottom. He knew it was, I, come on, I'm not talking about child. I'm not talking about warping you. I'm, I'm talking about, amen, requirements to be more than a theologically trained preacher. I'm talking about being an example to the flock. Can you say amen? I'm talking about spiritual leadership. By example. Older women. Teach the younger. By just telling them what to do. No, showing them what to do. Pastors, preachers, not being a lord over God's heritage, but an example unto the flock. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Can you say, man, follow me as I, as I follow, as I follow Jesus. And today we need more followers of Jesus in the pulpit. Not just theologically trained sinners. They can quote the scripture properly, but can't live it out and flesh it out. Can you say, man, listen to me carefully. There are tares among the wheat and they're not all in the pew. They're in the pulpit. In churches in America. Not too many years ago, a man got saved at a full gospel businessmen's meeting. He was theologically trained. He went into ministry in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And in one of the largest churches in Philadelphia, a denominational church, he was assigned as pastor. He baptized people in water. 
He gave spiritual counsel and he preached a sermon every Sunday. And you know what happened? When Colonel Bottomley, who was a colonel during the Vietnam War in the United States Air Force, he was self-sufficient, independent. He didn't feel like he needed God. He, he was just one of those, those men who was a manly man and he didn't need nobody else to lean on. He came under conviction when he heard Colonel Bottomley talk about coming to Christ and having his sins forgiven. And you see, one thing that Bible colleges can't do, they can't save you. Only Christ can save you. They can give you knowledge, but they can't give you salvation. You have to come to God. You have to come to Christ. And this pastor came under conviction in a full gospel businessmen's meeting, and when they asked who wanted to come receive Jesus after the testimony, one of the prominent pastors who had pastored for eight years in Philadelphia walked down front and said, I have searched my heart, and I have found that I have never met the Master. But today I confess my sins and receive Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You see, there are tares in pulpits. Thank God tares can become wheat. I said, thank God tares can become wheat. But they're never going to become wheat if they're happy as a tare. While men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you want, do, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. What does John 15 say? John's Gospel, chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it might bring forth more fruit. See, there's no such thing as being in Christ and having no fruit. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away, and it's good for nothing except to be bundled into bundles and burned. Can you say amen? Can, do you see this in Scripture? You see that fruit is absolutely essential to the confirmation that salvation has occurred. And without fruit, we're not saved. It's an empty profession. It's a confession without confirmation. The Bible said the works of the flesh that are manifest are these. And there's a whole list of all of those sins that the flesh will lead you to. But on the other side, but the fruit of the Spirit are these. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. There's no blending. Amen. The Bible said make the tree good and its fruit good. Or make the tree evil and its fruit evil. For every tree is known by the affiliation of this denomination, no affiliation with that church, the, the affiliation with that pastor, that preacher, that televangelist. No, every tree is known by one thing, by the fruit that it bears. So he said, I would that you're hot or cold. I would that you recognize that you're an evil tree bringing forth evil fruit and you need to repent so you can get saved and bring forth good fruit. Or I would that you were already bringing forth good fruit. Can you say, man? But because thou art what? Lukewarm. 
You're trying to straddle that. No, you can't be that. You can't straddle that fence. Vance Havner put it well. We've got so many people today talking about carnal, worldly Christians. He said, worldly Christians. No, these, see, friend, worldly Christians. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't serve two masters. See, that's the lie of the devil. That's, that's hell's lie to so many people that you can serve two masters. Jesus said you cannot do that. You will hate one and love the other. You will love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and mammon. You can serve Him with mammon, but you can't serve Him and mammon. Tares among the wheat. False Christians. I want to see everybody in this room in heaven. I want everybody that hears my message to be in heaven. And I don't want nobody to miss heaven because they're looking at somebody else that's doing the same thing they are and, and seemingly being blessed. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ, not just follow me blindly. And how do you know if I'm following Jesus? You need to get in that Bible and find out what He said and what He did. Can you say man, And start paying attention and applying it. Listen to this carefully. First gather together the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus told this story to point out that there are people in the church who have infiltrated our ranks. Well, while there is wheat, there is also tares. And we don't know who is who necessarily. Look at your neighbor again. No, this is not for us to try to figure that out. Although I know some people that I've got a pretty good idea. But ultimately, man looks where? On the outward. And God looks, that can work both ways. I think heaven is going to surprise us in many ways. I think there's some people we were sure that's going to be there. That ain't going to make it. And I think there's some people that we didn't think had a snowbell, snowbell's chance. And they're going to be there. Can you say, I'm not going to finish that. Amen. Because somewhere along the line, they recognized that they needed to be saved like that pastor of a church that was so sure he was never convicted until he saw some real wheat. But when he saw some real wheat, he realized he wasn't one of them. And he needed what they had because he did not have it. And salvation was more than just going through the rules and regulation of some church somewhere and being sprinkled with holy water. He needed a Savior and he needed to be convicted of his sin. Hallelujah. And repent of it. We don't know who is necessarily. You will find them sitting side by side in a pew, breathing the same air and singing the same songs. One may be a believer and the other an unbeliever. One may be wheat and one may be a tear. We will always have people that infiltrate our ranks. Ananias and Sapphira and Judas Iscariot, one of his inner circle, were tares among wheat. The satanic plants that undermine the Word of God. But it is not our job to weed those people out. We don't see a person's heart. Our concern should be who are, should not be who the hypocrites are, but to make sure that we are not hypocrites ourselves. Amen? That's what I, I can't figure all of y'all out. I think I know every one of you. According to my thinking, I don't see a tear in the building. I don't. But then I don't know what he knows. And I don't live with you 24-7. And I don't know if you've really come to Christ or not. I know most people here, if I'd ask you, are you ready to go to heaven? You'd say, absolutely. Well, tares are that way. That's the way tares are. They think they're going to heaven. 
They don't feel conviction. They've never been saved. They don't have a problem with, with giving in to those, those works of the flesh that are manifest and not bearing any of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm a good person. My good will outweigh my bad. You'll never get to heaven weighing out your good and bad. There's only one way to get to heaven. That's being washed in the blood of Jesus. And it was supplied at the cross. But it's applied when you repent of your sin. Jesus, God supplied it through His Son. Christ supplied it on the cross. But it's when it's applied. Listen, they didn't get delivered until they took the blood and applied it. They had to... Come on, the Lamb supplied it. But they had to apply it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And it's when they put it on the doorpost and the threshold and they put it on the side post that the death angel passed over them. And you know what we're getting to celebrate today? The blood supplied by Jesus and applied by faith to our heart and our life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 The message is to make sure that we are true believers. I use this illustration a lot, but there's two bulls. They've got a whole herd of cattle that they are, you know, taking care of. And suddenly, here comes a big four-wheel drive dually truck. Pulling a big long trailer that looks like it's almost weighted down to its axles. They open the gate. And the biggest bull they had ever seen comes out of the gate. And, and the axle comes up and squeaks when he steps out. He weighs about 2,000 pounds. And these two young bulls are, are rolling their eyes and looking at him. He walks out. He, he's bigger than both of them put together. And he's looking over that field, that big bull looking over that field. One of those young bulls, go, he starts pawing the ground and snorting. The other bull looked at him and says, You ain't, you crazy. You ain't going up against him, are you? He said, Oh, no. I'm just making sure he knows I'm not a cow. You'll, you'll have to think that over. Amen. <laughs> I know it's embarrassing. Go ahead and turn red and hide your face. I'm talking about what the bulls were thinking. I want people to know whose side I'm on. I want them to know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not a Christian in name only. I'm a follower of Jesus. Come on, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. No, no. Tares want to know what's in it for me. I want to know what I can do. Oh, come on. A real Christian says, whatever it takes, take this whole world. But give me Jesus, because I will not turn back. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Tares are false Christians. Let me give you three things. Can we take another 15 minutes? Number one, description of a tear, false Christian hypocrite. They have a desire to be saved from the consequence of sin. It's punishment, but not from sin's power over them. They want to be forgiven. Who wants a free ticket to heaven? But they do not want to deal with the power of sin in their life. The Bible says, let not sin as a Christian. That means you have power. You have the power of your will and that is strong. Can you say man? And you have the power of the Holy Spirit to back up the executive of your will. Somebody said, I'll quit this when God takes it from me. No, you will never quit it. You are hooked for the rest of your life habitually. 
A spirit of addiction is going to hold you. Amen. Because God is not going to take it from you against your will. But when you will to be free, all the resources of heaven are yours to be set free. Can you say amen? For who the Son sets free is really free. It's the real deal. He is free indeed. Don't tell me God can't deliver you from cocaine. God can deliver you from, from crack. God, don't tell me can't deliver you from some kind of sexual perversion. God can deliver you from anything. Amen. But you've got to want to be right with Him more than you want your sin. As many as receive Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. Woo! You have been divinely authorized. In fact, if you're really saved today, you've been translated. Star Wars is here. Somewhere in that vessel or Star Trek, what is it, Scotty? Beam me up, Scotty. So a bumper sticker the other day said, beam me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. Well, one day there's going to be a beaming up. Amen. One day there's going to be a beaming up. One day there's going to be a beaming up. One day there's going to be a separating between the tares and the wheat. Can you say man? And I'm not telling you to try to figure it all out and I can't figure it all out. But God knows about it. God knows. Oh yes. Oh yes. In a great house there are many vessels. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh hallelujah. The Bible said, amen, that God knows them that are His. We have this seal. God knows them that are His. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. God's not going to have to sift and try to find out. He already knows. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They have a desire to be saved from the consequence of sin as punishment, but not from sin's power over them. Second Timothy describes them among a list of things in Second Timothy three, five through seven, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Come on, this is the thing that needs to happen. Amen. If someone is claiming to be a follower of Jesus and they're living in open rebellious and sin, come on, you can't keep having fellowship with them. From such do what? Just aid and abet them in their sin. I know this is a hard line, but this is God's line. This is God's line. This is God's line. You've got to make up your mind who is on the Lord's side and you have to take sides. I'm sorry, you've got to take sides. If you know somebody's doing wrong and you bid them God speak, God bless you. The Bible said you partake of their sin. You aid and abet them. Somebody robs a grocery store and kills somebody and you loan them your car to get away with and lie to the police. Let me tell you something. You're going to jail. I'm going to jail. Can you say man? Because I am now an accomplice though I never walked in that store. There's a tear among the wheat in my church. Nobody knew it. But after a while, it comes out. His wife left him because he was messing around, abusing her. Instead of turning to God, asking forgiveness, he went out and started drinking because of his heartache and heartbreak. And he couldn't touch God because he didn't know God. And he was a Sunday school teacher in our church. Well respected. But he turned to drink and booze. And he stayed in drinking booze. And he drank all his money up. With two guys he met. Complete strangers in a bar. They drank until the bar closed. And they were broke and wanted more booze. So they said. Can you take us to an all night grocery store. Back before that law. That you couldn't buy liquor after a certain time. Can you take us to this store. 
this all-night store. We're going to get us a, a case of beer. And we're going to go to your house or somebody's house, play cards, and drink the rest of the night away. He pulled up in front. They both went inside. And they robbed the store at gunpoint, got the case of beer, took the money out of the register, come back to the car. He did not intend that. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been in the bar. He shouldn't have been with those guys. He shouldn't have been drinking himself to a stupor. Tares want forgiveness for sin. But they don't want to deal with that sin. They don't want to see they have a form of godliness. If you're teaching Sunday school and going to church and singing songs of Zion, you would think that you were wheat. But when you get out and act like that and live like that, something else comes out. He didn't just lose his wife. He didn't lose his testimony. He lost his liberty and freedom because he drove the getaway car. And he, if they had killed somebody, he would have got life in prison. Life in prison. I've seen what happens when people play church. Listen, this is a hard line. But it's God's line. And it's not to make it tough for us. It's to give us, give us a point of reference. Hallelujah. you got to make up your mind. Am I on the Lord's side? Because you're going to serve somebody. Can you say man? When you walk out of here, it's not what you say here or say to other people. It's who you serve. And the Bible said in Romans 6 and verse 16, Whoever you yield, your members, servants to obey, make no mistake about it, his servant. And that's a weak word in the King James. The actual word is slave. Can you say, man, you're a bond slave to Jesus out of love and commitment and devotion? Or you're a slave to sin and all of the works of the flesh because you've never been saved? When a man gets saved, something happens more than forgiven his sin he was wounded for our transgression but there's other wounds for something deeper he don't just scrape the cancer off he goes for the root so it don't come back and kill you hallelujah the first question that this man asked him was did you get it all I don't want you to leave no roots John the Baptist said, what I'm preaching, the axe is laid. This is not for the superficial. This is for the deep. The axe is laid to the root. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, He cursed it at the root. It wasn't coming back. It wasn't coming back. It wasn't coming back. It wasn't coming back. Hallelujah. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I don't have time to teach all the... Oh, well, let me say it. How many has got television? Be careful. Not just the secular stuff, but be careful about who you're listening to, who's teaching you. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. Now, men can be silly too, I just want to point out here. And lead silly women captive. You stay here long enough, you're not going to be no silly woman. Taken captive by a personality or some kind of unbiblical trickery to make merchandise out of you. But there's a whole lot of people that are that call themselves Christian. And if you're more concerned about getting rich than getting right, you're a tear. Blessed are they that do what? Hunger and thirst after riches. No, that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. You know what Pentecostals saw when they saw filled? They saw power, 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 power. 
anointing, 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 anointing. Gifts, 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 gifts. That's not what we're talking about initially. It opens the door for all of that, but that's not the initial. What are they hungry for? What is the promise to fill them with what they're hungry for? What are they hungry for? What are they hungering, thirsting for? Righteousness. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst to get spiritual gifts so that they can, they can, they can declare themselves prophets and prophetesses and seers and all this kind of junk, pride of the flesh. Be careful of somebody that has to convince you of their spirituality. Amen? Why do they have to be seen? Why do they have to be heard? Jesus thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, but He humbled Himself and took on Himself the form of a what? A servant. And made of Himself... Oh, he had a reputation, but it wasn't because he was hawking his own horn. In fact, he deflected the glory to his father. Good master, trying to ingratiate himself to Jesus. Jesus said, ain't none good. You're looking at me after the flesh. You don't see, you don't know, you don't understand. There's none good but my father, which is in heaven. None righteous, no, not one. And he was sinless, but he presented himself as a servant. He was God, but He presented Himself as an obedient servant. He said, the words are not mine, but what I hear my Father say. The works are not mine, but what I see my Father do. Glory be to God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. They reveal clearly to us that those who live undisciplined lives who do their own thing, who set their own standards for life, also continue to carry beliefs of a form of godliness. Form means, an, means literally an appearance that has no relation to reality. It's just an outward form. Some translations translate it outward appearance. Others to make a pretense or to maintain a facade, according to Phillips. Godliness, however has to do with the way we live. It impacts and changes our lives. As the word godliness implies, it has to do with holiness to the living God. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, Be ye what? Be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love even as He walked. The form of godliness is here. It has infiltrated religious systems, including Christianity. We're going against holes, portions of Scripture to follow the world and the culture in the name of our Christian faith. And we cannot and must not continue to do that. We're headed for serious trouble. In fact, we're not just headed for serious trouble. America is in serious trouble. Titus 1.16 See, this is the big deception of religion today. It allows standards that God disapproves of, yet seeks to convince us that it is in fact acceptable. The religious world has no serious convictions about disobeying the Holy Scripture. Titus 1.16 describes tares. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being unto every good work abominable and reprobate or disobedient. Abominable, disobedient to every good work reprobate. Number two, quickly, they desire Jesus as a priest to pardon their sin, but not as a king to rule over them. Say that with me. They desire Jesus as a priest to pardon their sin, but not as a king to rule over them. They've never bowed in surrender before the Lord. I do not believe, biblically, there is salvation without repentance. I don't believe you can just take the free ticket to heaven 
I believe, number one, you have to be convicted of your sin in order to confess it and be forgiven of it. And no man comes to me except my Father draw him. And he draws by his Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will do what? Convict. Convince is the word. In the Greek, it's convict. He will convict the world of sin. That's why you see empty chairs right here right now. There are people that they're going to go out and live in sin. They're tares. They're not wheat. They're going to be convicted if they come to church here. One way you can tell if you're a wheat, if you hear something from the Word and you know you're turned wrong with it, you'll be convicted of that. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. Of course you're not. In order to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. You've got to crucify the flesh. And that uncomfortable feeling is God, the Holy Spirit, wanting to help you put to death the deeds of the flesh so you can live this thing and flesh it out in your life. Hallelujah. And here's something you may not know. I don't miss the tares. Because I'm sowing into something that can't bear fruit. I'm looking for somebody that's hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Because God's going to back up His Word and God's going to fill them with righteousness. And when you're filled with righteousness, you're filled with God's favor, God's goodness, God's love, and God's blessing, and God's help. Noah. The New Testament says, Noah! A preacher, he didn't just build an ark. He did something else. Noah, a preacher of righteousness. There's room at the cross for you. Can you say, man? You can get right with God. You don't have to be a hypocrite. You don't have to be a play actor. You don't have to get the terrible terrifying, horrible reality when you draw your last breath that the steps coming down the hall for your soul are not angels from heaven. Amen? Amen? They want His forgiveness. They don't want His rule. Lord and Savior, not Savior and Lord. If you've got an issue with His Lordship, you can't get saved because you're still of your father, the devil. He's still the one that is your master. But when you change masters, you don't have a problem with this new king. Can you say, man, I have issues with my flesh in obeying him, but I have no problem with his right to rule in my life. Can you say, man, when he tells me to forgive my enemy when I'd like to slap him? Amen? I have a problem with that. Oh, you're so sanctified in here. I know you've never had the, you've never had the want to. <laughs> Honey, it's, it's overriding them. We had a discussion. You wanted to. I'm so glad you're here instead of the jail down there today. I'm glad you didn't give in to your flesh. I'm glad you listened to your other master, the true master, and bowed to him. Prospector, he's out with his campfire. He's got a load of gold. He's mined in the hills. He's been out there for 10 years. He's got a gold on his mule. He's got a campfire. A bandito comes up in the middle of the night and pulls two guns out. He's going to rob him and kill him, but he wants to have some fun first. He tells the prospector, pulls back two six-shooters and said, I've come for your gold. Prospector said, well, you can have it. Just let me live. And the guy said, have you ever danced holding one foot up on one leg? Prospector says, no, I haven't. He said, you're going to dance like that now. Grab your foot. And he pulled it up. And he started shooting right at that one foot, just enough to shoot either side of it. <laughs> and he said, he said, have you ever danced hopping on one foot? He caught back both both hammers of two forty-four six-shooters. And, and the prospector said, no, I haven't, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> Amen. If, if I was working in a Circle K and it got robbed, and they asked me to give a description of who robbed me at gunpoint, and they asked me to, you know, where somebody can draw it, 
All they'd see is a big long barrel and a big old end of the barrel. Have you ever danced on one foot holding your other foot up with your hand? No, bang, 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 but I've always wanted to. Danced till he fell down. Realized the guy was clicking his pistols now. He's out of bullets. He's down on the ground, rolls over, reaches under his blanket and pulls out a double-barrel shotgun. Cocks back both hammers said, have you ever kissed a mule? He said, no, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm almost done. There's joy in serving Jesus if you're not sitting in church convicted of sin all the time. That don't mean that you can be sinlessly perfect. But because of the provision of the blood of Jesus, you can be perfectly sinless. There's a difference. Sinlessly perfect means that you have works that are impeccable. No, there's no such thing. Perfectly sinless means I have confessed my sin and I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. As it is written, I will cast their sins away from them as far as the east is. That's perfectly sinless. Can you say, man, I don't know how repentance got such a bad bent on it and spin on it. Because, amen, it, it cleanses you. It makes you right with God. And if you're right with God, He will restore your soul. Hallelujah. Desire Jesus as a priest to pardon sin, but not a king to rule over them. They're forgetful hearers, not doers of the word. They want Jesus to forgive their sin, but reject his right to rule. They want a savior, but they want a savior without his lordship. They have never bowed, never surrendered their will. They'll be swept away by the flood of wickedness and the rising tide of rebellion. They will go with the flow of this world. Amen. And they'll go to church on Sunday. But when they get out of church. They will go with the flow. They'll be consumed. By the culture. You know what Jesus said. He said my sheep. Know my voice. A stranger. They will not follow. Brother Venable, are you concerned about all the false prophets and the false teachers? Absolutely. Am I concerned that the true church will be deceived? Absolutely not. No. The wheat or the wheat or the wheat or the wheat. The tares will be carried away into wickedness, but the wheat will be gathered in and kept. Glory be to God. For we have an unction from the Holy One. Can you say, man, and we know we're not silly women or silly men. Glory to God. When I was a child, I spake as a child. See, you can't tell the difference till, till, till the growth begins to come. But when the, Oh, come on. The church is going to have to grow up. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Quit you like men and be strong. Act like men and women of God. Don't act like little bitty baby children. Amen. I want the Word. If it don't hit me, you can't preach to me. If at some point you can't challenge me, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't come to church to be petted. I don't come to church to be petted. I don't come. If there's a cancer on me, I want it off and I want the roots out with it. Amen. Amazing thing about sheep. He talked about his sheep, the wheat. They know my voice. See, the false Christian wants a priest to pardon them, but not a king to rule them. They desire blessing from Christ, but they have no desire for a relationship with Him. And I'm going to tell you something to everybody in here. You may have that relationship, but you may be letting it slip. When we don't spend time in prayer, if you quit talking to your wife, she quits talking to you, there's something wrong in your relationship. First John said, truly, our fellowship, our communion is with the Father. 
and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? True Christians want to get closer to God. They're not running from Him. They're running to Him. They want to know Him better. Paul, with all his anointings and gifts and credentials, he said that I might know Him. That is my quest. That is my desire. David of old said, One thing have I desired, that will I seek after, to inquire at His temple and behold His beauty. Moses said, I don't want to just hear your audible voice speaking to me. I want to see you. Can you say, man, glory be to God. It's vital that you have a relationship with Him, for many false prophets have went out into the land. But my Bible said, if you're really wheat, a stranger you will not follow. They're going to hoodwink and hornswoggle a whole bunch of tares, but the true wheat are going to run away from them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you please play this? I want you to pay particular attention. Hallelujah. I don't know what you consider yourself to be, but when I hear the voice of my King, my Master, my Sovereign, and my Savior, I'm going to run to Him. Can you say amen? When conviction comes, I'm not running from Him. I'm running to Him. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I said the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord of heaven and earth is my shepherd King. Can you say amen? I quit playing church a long time ago because this is serious. For many will say unto me in that day, the tares are going to talk up at the judgment. And this is not an aberration. This is what has occurred when the church quit holding the standard. For Christianity. And the fault is at the pulpits because there are tares in pulpits. Many false prophets will go out into the earth and deceive many. And because iniquity, it's still in us. The sin nature has never been dealt with, it's still in there. Because iniquity shall abound, lawlessness. Breaking God's law with impunity in rebellious hearts shall abound. The love of many will wax cold. It's not the love that believes all things. It's not the love that bears all things. It's not the love that endures. It's a love easily broken because it's superficial, not supernatural. I told the Lord, I want to love you with the same kind of love that you love me with. I don't want to love you with human emotion. Because that don't work. This is not about having a crush for a little while. If a man loved me, everything falls into place. That's the real reason for obedience. That's out of devotion, not emotion. If a man love me, he'll keep my commandments. And they won't make him look like he's been sucking persimmons or baptized in vinegar. Hallelujah. David said, I love you, Lord. I love the Lord because he heard my cry, my plea, my prayer, delivered me. I will run the way of thy commandments. I won't be tentative. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. In this communion, there's more. We'll finish the tears if you can handle it. I want to know. I want to know now. I don't want to find out. I don't want to stand before God and start hollering, Lord, Lord, because I went to church on Sunday and my name was on their robes and I've been baptized in water. And He has no, no lordship, no authority, no influence over me. I live the rest of my life my way according to my rules and what Jesus said has no bearing. That is a tear among the wheat. And they sit in pews on Sunday morning. And they are in pulpits now. We have leaders that are disqualified biblically to stand in a pulpit. Tens of thousands follow them. The Bible talked about following their pernicious ways. They're bound by chains of sin themselves. 
And it makes the sinners in the congregation comfortable because they're promising blessing Sunday after Sunday. And the blessing is material and it is physical. It is not spiritual and it is not eternal. Many will say to me in that day, they're going to be so convinced they can look Christ in the eye as their judge. Lord, Lord, they start out with an empty profession that has nothing attached to the reality that they, you've been in churches that were dead and full of religious imposters. And they don't like you. Do they? And you don't have to say anything to them, do you? You just come in and they say, Lord have mercy, there they are. Amen. There are people see me in a grocery store that I used to go to church with. They see me coming down the aisle. Look the other way. Pretend they didn't see me. I don't chase them down. My Bible said from such... This is not just people don't like me. There's a whole lot of people don't like me. Amen. I'm talking about people that are putting on serving God and they're convicted when they're in the presence of someone who is committed to serve God. Can you say, man, I used to do it before I got saved. My uncle was a preacher of the gospel. When he came to our house, he come in the front door. I went out the back door and I went out quick. He never one time condemned me, shook his finger at me. He didn't have to. He represented a kingdom that I was in conflict with. He represented light and I was living in darkness and... And loving it. Amen. Come on. Come on. I was in. Listen, when you're in that element, you love it. You love that master. You don't realize who he is yet and the end of it. But you love him at the moment. But when I came to Jesus, when I came to Jesus, I was translated. Oh, I, I changed kings, so I changed kingdoms, can you say, man? Hallelujah, we have been. Past tense, if you're wheat, we've been translated. Beam me up for real. Can you say, man, translated out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the powers of darkness, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Hallelujah. That we might show forth the virtues of Him who called us out of darkness into this marvelous light, whom having not seen you love with joy unspeakable and full of marvelous light, full of glory. Somebody give him praise in this room.